been frustrating, I think, for a lot of Canadians to watch what's been happening globally in response to geopolitical situations and circumstances. You've got, for example, now the U.S. signing a new uh, LNG deal with the U.K. The United States is going to provide significant amounts of LNG to the U.K. Germany has just signed a similar deal with Qatar. Of course, German's, uh, German Germany Chancellor was just in Canada earlier this year, kind of asking if Canada could step up and play that role. And, and sadly, the answer was no. Meanwhile, speaking of Germany, I don't know if you've been following this, quite a remarkable story out of Germany where they've uh, completed this LNG import terminal in Wilhelmshaven. It was completed in just months. Normally, this kind of thing takes years. So it's interesting what political will and ingenuity can do. And it feels like we're, we're lacking in both here, certainly when it comes to the political will. Canada's watching from the sidelines as we're seeing other countries expand this capability, other countries stepping up to meet the global demand that we certainly could. Now, it's not as though nothing's happening here. We've got the LNG Canada project, which is huge. Construction well underway or a couple of years away from this project coming online. But we're missing uh, a lot of boats here, so to speak. It's something our next guest has been uh, talking and writing a lot about. Uh, Jackie Forrest, Executive Director of the ARC Energy Research Institute. Jackie, great to have you with us here this morning. Welcome to the program. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. Uh, what are your thoughts as you hear about these these deals with the U.S. and Europe and other countries, Australia even, Qatar, and and not Canada? Uh, well, it is really frustrating. Uh, we have a huge opportunity here in Canada. We have a, a lot of gas and uh, low-cost gas. And, you know, if you go back to 2014, we had something like uh, 18 projects proposed in Canada. Uh, and we were well ahead of the Americans, for instance, in terms of uh, LNG exports. And today they have a huge LNG export business. And we're still waiting for our first project. So uh, it's a lost opportunity for sure. And how was it? I mean, you know, you think back uh, over the years and, you know, it, it takes a long time for projects to go through the, the, the process. Um, but I don't know. How did, how did we back ourselves into this corner? <laughs> well, you know, first of all, there was all those projects. I think one big difference why the Americans raced ahead of us is just how long it takes to get a project approved and the political uncertainty associated with that. You know, it can take over five years and hundreds of millions, if not a billion dollars, before you know you can go ahead. Um, we had that Pacific Northwest project, which is a great example, many, many years in the in the whole approval process, and ultimately they canceled the project. So, um, you know, I think the problem is it just takes too long, and there's too much uncertainty. Uh, you know, at the end of the five-plus-year regulatory process, there's a political decision that has to be taken um, to approve the project. That's done by the federal environment minister or the prime minister and cabinet uh, and that creates a lot of uncertainty for project developers here yeah it does now we managed to get a pretty big one i mean not quite over the finish line but we got it to approval constructions underway on lng canada on, on the west coast and this facility at kitimat that's going to be a big one uh so what what can we glean from that in terms of the fact that a we did it but also you know how difficult it was to get that project to this point yeah, I mean, that's over 10 years in the making. That's the first phase of LNG Canada. It'll be about 10% of all of Western Canada's production. So it is a big project, but we just have the one, and it's been very difficult. It's taken a really long time. In the time that LNG Canada has progressed, uh, the Americans are exporting uh, about 
uh, 10 BCF per day, which is about half of all of our production in Western Canada going out as exports. And uh, just to put it in perspective, LNG Canada would be about 2 BCF per day, so only 20% of what the Americans have already done. So it's just taken a really long time, and I think part of it is the length of our project process. I mean, certainly our projects are harder to build than the ones in the U.S. because we have these greenfield projects through pretty remote areas. Um, but I think the regulatory issue is, is, is a real difference, too, in, in that it takes five, four to eight years sometimes for these projects to get through it. Right. And, you know, the, the question of what's reasonable, um, you know, the story, and I mentioned it, I know you took notice of it uh, in Germany, where they, they built this uh, import terminal, the, the kind of thing that might have taken five years, they managed to do it in, in five months. What, what can we learn from that experience? Well, you know, it's a great inspirational story. I had actually written an article the week before saying, you know, we built the railway in five years. Why now? Back 140 years ago, why does it take so long to build projects today? And I think this is another example in today. And they actually put in an acceleration act, LNG acceleration act, to fast track the regulatory process. And, you know, just reading the article, it's, I don't think that they totally abandoned any care for the environment. They did things like protect frogs and there was worries about contaminated soil. So, you know, it shows it can be done a lot faster and still be done in a way that that protects the environment. And I think we've got to just think very differently on how we do projects. And it's not just for LNG. If we're really going to achieve these big reductions in greenhouse gas emissions by 2030 and and 2050, there's just no way I can see it can get done if it takes this long to build projects. You know, like what's slowing down LNG projects will also slow down building big hydrogen projects or big CO2 pipelines or big transmission lines that will need to change our whole energy economy. Yeah, that's an important point. Now, the, the cynics, or I guess the pessimists would say, well, it's too late. We, we did miss these opportunities. There's the demand right now. Other countries are supplying it. By the time we get around to, to adding more projects or building more facilities, this uh, ship would have sailed, so to speak. But is, is that the wrong way to look at it? Is, is there still an opportunity here, even if we're, we're late? I mean, Germany's going to need gas for a long time. Uh, There's a huge void there that's being created by Russia not being able to supply Europe anymore, and I don't think that's going to change. And so, no, there's still a huge opportunity for us. And there's a huge economic opportunity for the country. I mean, the LNG Canada project is something like a $40 billion capital project, the biggest project ever in our country, and it provides jobs and economic benefits for decades to come. And so we should really be fighting to have more of these projects. I mean, the world is going to use gas for, for a number of decades, and if it isn't supplied by us, it will be supplied by others. And uh, it won't really change the greenhouse gas emissions globally, but it will change the size of Canada's economy if, if we don't participate. Do you sense that there's there's a change here? I mean, it's certainly some of what we've heard from you know, Christy Freeland in particular, the, the sense that maybe we do need to step up and be a part of the solution when it comes to, to meeting global demand. But, I, I mean, beyond that rhetoric, I don't know if we've necessarily seen any kind of meaningful policy shift yet, but what, what do you make of it? I mean, there's definitely some glimmers of hope in some of the more recent comments that uh, the federal government sort of sees, sees the energy security angle here. I mean, this isn't just about... Uh, greenhouse gas emissions anymore. It should be about supplying energy to our allies, and we're a stable source of supply, and we're going to have lower carbon supply than a lot of other people because of all of the policies that we've put in place. So um, there's glimmers of hope, but you know we haven't gotten to the point where we're like the Germans, where we see someone talking about an LNG acceleration act. Yeah. Um, that's when we really know things are changing. Yeah, no kidding. We'll leave it there for now. Much more at uh, arcenergyinstitute.com. Jackie, thanks for your insight on all this. Appreciate you making some time for us here. 
Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. <laughs> and Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.